it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, Andrew and I are going to do a bird's eye view of the income statement. We're going to look at three different companies and walk through the different aspects of income statements and kind of show you the differences as well as the similarities. And this should be a fun conversation. So buckle in. This is going to be a stock pickers episode, just an FYI for you. So here we go. I guess let's start with the basic overview of what we're talking about. So maybe you want to talk about the income statement just as a general rule between the three income statements, and then we can kind of start to dive in. So it's like, why does the income statement matter? And I go back to Peter Lynch because I feel like he summarized it so well. He said, if you look at the long-term chart of a stock chart and you compare it to a company's earnings per share, which is the most important metric arguably, of the income statement. He said, with almost every company, you can see how the price of the stock follows the price of the earnings per share. And so if there's, if this is your first time looking at the income statement, if there's one thing you can get out of it, it's earnings per share is important. And it's important to know where that moves over the long term because it does drive stock prices. It totally does. And I guess let's back up for just a second. So if people are tuning in for the first time and they're hearing this conversation about financial statements. What are the three biggies, if you will? So we have the income statement, which again, arguably could be the most important one when it comes to driving the stock price. But then you have two others, which are also important in helping you understand the business itself. 
So you have the balance sheet, which tells you what the company's financial situation is in any given point in time. What do they own and what do they owe? And then you have the cash flow statement, which is telling you exactly how is cash moving through the business. And that's important because the income statement is telling you what's the profit and losses. So obviously you want a company who's getting more profitable every year. But I could borrow $3 million and turn a profit and then borrow $3 million and turn another profit. But that's not sustainable also, right? Mm -hmm. And so the cash flow statement can help you see things like that, like how much cash is a company using to invest to grow those earnings. And so the cash flow statement works really well with the income statement in telling you how efficient a company is growing. And really that derives how shareholders, the owners of a business, how they will see good results. You hear it on Shark Tank. Mr. Wonderful says, I want to tell me about the cash flow, cash flow. And a lot of real estate investors say that too, because it's important because yeah, you have the stock price, but if you don't have any cash flow, then you might kind of be gambling, you know? Yep, totally. That's very important. And I think understanding those differences between the statements, and we're going to cover the other two in some other bird's eye views here over the next few weeks so that you can use these as resources to help you learn how these statements work, how they flow together, and how you can learn to read through them and understand some of the jargon that's in the statements. So I guess starting with that viewpoint, let's talk about one of the biggest confusing factors for me when I started, and I know Andrew was saying the same thing, is when you look at some of these statements, they all are income statements, but they don't always label them as such. And they also always don't label them exactly the same across the board. For example, we're going to talk about three companies today. We're going to talk about Apple, we're going to talk about Starbucks, and we're going to talk about Netflix. And we're going to overall compare their income statements. But even just looking at that, little detail, if you look at the top of each of their income statements in the financial reports, two of the companies label them the same, the third does not. So Apple labels theirs as consolidated statements of operations. And Netflix does the same thing. However, Starbucks wants to be a little different. So they call theirs consolidated statements of earnings. Now keep in mind, these are all exactly the same thing. They're all the income statement, but each company has the ability to change that naming. And it could be a little confusing for beginners because you're looking for something called the income statement and you don't see it. And so that's something that you will encounter. And so hopefully by talking through some of these, this will help, I guess, lift the veil on some of that mystery. And I can't find the income statement. Did they not make one? They all do. They all have to, but it's part of the financial accounting that they're required to do, but it can be a little bit confusing. So I guess with that, maybe we could kind of start to dive into what is an income statement and how are they structured, I guess. Yeah. And, and how do you find them, right? Mm -hmm. So when we say that this information is publicly available, these are all required things for companies to companies publicly trained in the U.S. to share with the people. So they do that through their annual report. Another word for that is the 10K. That's the official filing. You can go to sec.gov to find that. You can also go to 
BAMSEC, B-A-M-S-E-C.gov. And they also have 10Ks that you can look up. So that's where we're, when we're talking about the income statement and how we're looking at it, that's where we are. We're at the source. There's a lot of great websites like stratosphere.io, quickfs.net, which is the website I cut my teeth on, that will aggregate some of this for you and they'll organize it for you so you don't have to necessarily understand some of the confusing parts where you know one company will call this one thing and another company calls it another thing. If it was me like having to start over, I would for sure look at the source, like look at these annual reports, these 10Ks. I would for sure look at that. But I would also probably try to supplement that by using a site that organizes it nicely. Because there, like Dave was saying, there is a certain structure to these income statements. And by learning that structure, you can decipher between how companies fit that mold in their own way. And that helps you understand the business very, very well. And so hopefully by using three different examples of three really differently run businesses, you'll get a better sense and learn something too. So for me, when I started, this was just kind of by dumb luck in a way, but also just piggybacking off uh, James O'Shaughnessy's work. I looked at earnings per share and I looked at revenue. And to me, that was a good first baby step in seeing a wall of information and getting something that I could tangibly understand easily. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could start there and then talk through those and maybe use these examples. Yeah, exactly. That's great. So why don't we start with looking at the revenue of the three companies and maybe talk about how they label them and what different things you might notice as you're looking through that. So why don't you talk through the revenues for the three companies? When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. 
Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Okay, let's start with Apple. Apple, hopefully we, a lot of us can understand what that business does. Their primary business is they sell iPhones. So Apple sells an iPhone to somebody, whether through their store or through a place like AT&T or Verizon. Whatever the customer paid, that's going to go to the revenue. So we're not going to look at what did it cost to build the iPhone? How much did it cost to have employees work on selling the iPhone? Just what did the customer pay for the iPhone? That's revenue. And so for in Apple's case, we know that they sell iPhones, but they also make a decent amount of money on the services for the iPhone. So an example of that might be if I'm an app developer and I want to get my app on the iPhone, I have to pay Apple a split of what I make for them to allow people to download my app through the App Store. Because Apple's making sure that these apps are safe, that they're not fraudulent. All of these security things that Apple does cost money. So Apple charges for that security and for that availability for developers. And so they pay Apple a cut of to be on the App Store. So that would be services. So Apple breaks down their revenue into two categories, products and services, and they lay out each of those categories in their income statement. And then they add those two together to get a total net sales. And so that would be their revenue. They're breaking it down into two lines and then adding it and then having the total net sales. And that's their revenue. So if I'm looking at a company and if I were to look at Apple and I saw, let's say, five years in a row of declining net sales, that would be concerning for me because the business as a whole is shrinking. They're selling less iPhones. They're getting less revenue from the App Store. And that would be concerning to me. So that's how to do it for Apple. Do you want to take a stab at one of the other companies? Sure. I'll take a look at at Starbucks. So one thing that I want people to notice as they're following along in their workbooks, that the terminology can change across companies. Like we mentioned before with what are the income statements, how they name them. For example, Apple calls their revenues net sales. And Starbucks refers to theirs as net revenues. And then Netflix, which I'll have Andrew talk about because that's one of his favorite companies, is to talk about. They label theirs as revenues. So we have three companies that all label sales or revenues as three different things. So hopefully just understanding that can help you differentiate not differentiate, but understand it's all the same thing, but it can be a little confusing if you look at the terminology for the first time and go, what is, 
the sales versus revenues thing. Like, why is one labeling it one as the other? It's just the way that they'll do it internally to help the business understand that. So when we look at the revenues, net revenues for Starbucks, they break it down as well, but they break it down instead of parts or what they sell, they sell it, they break it down between company operated stores and licensed stores and other. So they have three categories that they break theirs into. And then at the bottom of that is a total net revenues. So like Andrew was saying, you want to look and see how the company is growing as far as the revenues go. And the way that Starbucks breaks it down for us is they break it down between to two different stores and an other. And so you can see across the board that the company is growing its revenues or sales over the three years that they mentioned. I also want to mention income statements will list three years of sales or three years of sales and earnings. That's kind of the standard that they have to do. Some will do more, but most will just do three. So it's just kind of an FYI for you. But this is an easy way for you to see how the company thinks about their revenues and how they're generating them. They're not necessarily going by what coffee drink all of us drink. I'm not a coffee drinker. I know shock, but that's how uh, Starbucks chooses to organize their revenues. Perfect. And we're just for clarification in case somebody's not aware of the whole licensing thing. So what are they describing just in a nutshell? What do they mean company operated versus licensed? Basically, they're differentiating between stores that the company owns and stores that franchisees are own. So they, you know, somebody can pay a franchise license to buy the rights to open their own store and then they operate it on their own, but it's under Starbucks, not management, but under Starbucks rules of engagement. So they have to have the same products, naming, operate, same functions and everything. But the profits will go to the owner of the business as opposed to Starbucks. They would pay Starbucks a licensing fee. Generally, it's an annual fee or it's a monthly fee that they'll pay for the rights to own their own stores. That's the kind of differentiation between the stores. Perfect. So, you know, you worked in the restaurant business, so you, mm-hmm. it's very intuitive for you, but... If somebody was digging into this and they're like, okay, I'm already lost. I don't know what this means. How would somebody get more information to inform them on what this stuff means when they look at the income statement? The easiest way to do it is to read through the financial statement. They will list out all the different terms and they will help define the terms. Some companies, to be blunt, some companies are going to be more forthcoming and far more clear about how they differentiate things. Others may not be as clear. The way that I have done it is the our good friend Control F and just type in company owned stores versus you know other stores or the different terminology. And then that will help bind you know the needle in the haystack, if you will, of the 122 pages or whatever the Starbucks annual report is. And then you can find the information from there. If that doesn't any results, then you could also check out einvestingforbeginners.com. There's a good chance we have information there about some of these things as well. But those are, I mean, the first place I would go would be the company source. That's always where I look. And one last kind of resource around that. If you're like, oh man, this annual report sounds really overwhelming and you're, you're struggling with that. We did an episode a couple of years ago, and we might have done several, but this is one that popped up on the search bar. So if you could go to IFB 172, we tried to break down how you can read an annual report. And yeah, mm-hmm. Control F is your friend. It's your friend. It's your friend. Yeah, it's your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily, I'm going to move on to Netflix. Luckily, this one's a lot simpler. They just have one line. It's revenues. 
And, you know, a lot of us have Netflix subscriptions. So it's pretty simple. That's the money that we're paying Netflix for the subscription. Mm-hmm. And then everything else follows from there. So we started off talking about revenues. In the intro, you talked about kind of the first two things that you were able to focus on. So the net revenue and or the revenues and then the earnings. So can we let's just jump to the earnings and then we can kind of fill in the stuff in between. So when you talk about earnings or profits, there's going to be a few ways again, that companies can categorize it. I would say most companies also do this. Apple calls it net income. And so what they're doing is they're taking that revenue number that we just talked about, and then they're taking all of their expenses. So you don't have to remember all of this, but I'm going to say as an example for Apple, what does it cost them to make the iPhone, to design it, to manufacture it? And then What does it take to pay the engineers who are thinking of what's the next iPhone going to be? Research and development. What are they paying salespeople? What are they paying commercial costs? Those are all costs to sell the iPhone. And then the regular expenses that every business has to pay. We have to pay some of these too. Taxes, interest on your debt. So those things come out. And then you could have a few special items here or there. The bottom line, the end of the day, you take out all the expenses, you subtract that from your revenue, that's going to be your earnings or your profit, or as a lot of companies call it, net income. And then from there, we can get a basically a net income per share. But for every reason, everybody calls it earnings per share. Again, those are the same. And what that's telling you is when you buy a share of stock, that's how much earnings or profit you're basically getting from the company when you buy the stock. That's earnings per share. And that's really the metric again that over the long term can really determine what a stock's performance is. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that, again, to go back to the three different statements, again, Apple and Netflix refer to them as net income. Starbucks has to be different, of course. So they call it net earnings. So again, it's all the same thing, but they just choose to label it differently. And you're going to find that across the board that there are going to be times where you'll see those things kind of differentiated by different terminology, but it's it's all the same thing. Net income and net earnings are the exact same thing. I guess, can we talk, a, you mentioned the like earnings per share. Can we talk a little bit about maybe there are, so the three companies that we have are kind enough to actually break it out for us. Unfortunately, you will find some that won't. And so they won't tell you what the earnings per share are. And so can we maybe give people, how would somebody find, how would they figure this out and B, how would they find the information? So if there was a metric that I'm used to seeing and they're not putting it on the income statement, I would again use our friend control F. And then when it comes to earnings per share, you just take the net income or net earnings number and you divide it by the shares outstanding, which is basically saying, how many pieces of the pie have we split this into? Have we split this company into? And that's going to give you the earnings per share. Yeah, perfect. Uh, one thing I wanted to note. So when you look through th- all three of these statements, they all have pretty big numbers. But something that's important to understand when you're trying to compare the businesses is what kind of denomination they put the statements in. So for example, Apple, under their titling of the Consolidated Statement of Operations, they have in smaller print in millions. And if you notice that you look at Starbucks, it says the exact same thing in millions, except 
per share data. Same with Netflix. However, Netflix says in thousands. So the reason I mention this is because if you look at the numbers, just the raw numbers that are on Netflix, and you see 31,615,000 or 31,615,550,000, you think, holy crap, that's like five times the sales of Apple without understanding the context of it. Because Netflix puts it in a different denomination, it makes it look like a bigger number. If you put all of them in millions, for example, then you see that Apple is 10 times bigger in sales than both Starbucks and Netflix. But if you look at us in more granularly, you'll see that Starbucks and Netflix roughly produce around the same amount of revenue on an annual basis. And so you can kind of get us an idea of the size of, of the businesses. And it, it also can help you put in perspective how massive <laughs> Apple is compared to other businesses. And so it can help you. It's just another little tool, a little trick you can use to help compare companies kind of across the board. All right. So maybe now that we kind of understand revenues and net income, can we talk about all the stuff in between? Like how do we get from here to there? And maybe we can start with the revenues and maybe what we look for with that and then kind of go from there. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sure, that's perfect. So again, this is where I think stratosphere.io or quickfs.net really helps with this because they basically strip the income statement into the, for lack of a better word, the line items or the profit items that help you compare things apples to apples and help you understand how did we get from the top to the bottom. So I'm going to list them. You don't have to remember it. We could break it down a little deeper, but you're going to have an, a gross profit. So you're going to have revenue at the top. You're going to have a gross profit or a gross margin. And then you're going to have an operating profit or an operating margin. And then you're going to have the net income. Let me start with the gross profit for Apple. 
when you have a company like Apple who is selling a physical product like the iPhone, they have costs to manufacture it. That's what the first gross profit or gross margin is trying to tell you. What did it take to make this product? Not what it took to sell the product. What did it take to make it? And so those expenses are going to be called cost of goods. That's where you'll see it in the accounting textbooks. They'll say cost of goods. In the real world, it's also called cost of sales or cost of revenue. So for Apple, they do a cost of sales and they do it for the products and for the services. So think about what do they mean the cost to make an iPhone? Well, it can be anything from the components to build the iPhone. It can be the LCD display that they're purchasing to slap it on there. The costs to hire the engineers to design the insides of the iPhone. What it costs to ship components from one factory to the other. Anybody who's on those teams, what those people costs. And then for the services with the App Store... What does it cost to hire the engineers that keep the app store running? Anything related to those costs. So it's all kind of on the manufacturing. How do you make the product that gets you the gross profit? So Apple reports it as gross margin, and that's how they get to that number. How does Starbucks do it, and how would you describe it? (laughs) Starbucks, again, to be different, they do not list out a gross profit or a gross margin. They lump all of their costs in together and skip the whole gross part and go right to the operating expenses and operating income. So they can make it a little more difficult for, especially for newer investors to understand what, so I I understand that they generate revenues. What are the costs associated with those? And I think if you step back for a minute and maybe remove yourself from just looking at the page, you can kind of think through what those could be. So they make coffee and they have machines that make coffee and then they have employees that work in the stores that make the coffee for us. So those would be three of the main costs that you could think of would be the product, the machinery to make the product and the people to make it, the labor. And they don't break it down so nice and neat and clean, but they do give you a product and distribution costs and a store operating costs. And so those two items would probably be higher on the hierarchy, if you will, of a gross profit. Unfortunately, some of those will bleed into other parts of the income statement. And so it's not quite so neat and clean as Apple's is, for example. And Here it again lies in the strength of what Andrew was discussing earlier with these aggregators. A website like stratosphere.io will break that out for you so that if you want to compare the operating or the gross profit margin of Starbucks to Apple, that's an easier way to do it. Starbucks would be a harder one to calculate on your own because you'd have to really dig into those those two specific line items and really see if the company breaks it out. And they may not. And sometimes they may not break it out enough for you to be able to determine it. And so then you have to kind of rely a little bit on the aggregator to give you a rough estimate, if you will, of that. Now, let's segue to Netflix and see how they do it just to yes. kind of compare the the first two. So Netflix has a cost of revenues line item. And then they have a few more line items, which would go to the operating income instead of the uh, gross margin. Again, like with Starbucks, Netflix does not say 
gross profit or gross margin. They just give you the revenues and then the cost of revenues. Mm-hmm. That actually doesn't really, it's not really intuitive to me. Like, I don't know how they would classify what it costs to make their product. So I'm just going to use control F right now. Expenses associated with acquisition, licensing, and production of content. And then there's a few other things, but that, that really makes sense, right? What does it cost them to make a show or to license a show from somebody else who's created a show or a movie? And that's going to be our cost of revenues. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to check it too. You can control F or you can also use an aggregator as well. So hopefully that helps and we can get to the next section. Yeah. Yeah. Which is operating income slash expenses. So let's talk about those. Do you want to want to go back to our friend at Apple and see how they break it down for us? Yeah, I love it. So remember the first one we looked at was gross profit. What does it cost to make the product? Now we're going to talk about what does it cost to kind of market the product? Research and development is something that's also a part of this. And I guess it doesn't make it like super clean and clear because it's not really like helping you sell a product. So we can't just say, okay, Operating profit is what it costs to sell and what it costs to make. You also have basically investments the company is making for future products. For whatever the reason is that somebody decided that that's where these items should go, that's just what we have to work with. So in Apple's case, you have, again, we have the gross margin and then a couple more line items that are subtracted, research and development and selling general and administrative And those are operating expenses. And then we get to the operating income. I know this is starting to become a lot, but we're almost done. Promise. Yep. So selling general administrative, you know, administrative, that's anything from the lawyers that are working for the company, the secretaries working for the company, any sort of support, maybe the janitors that clean the stores that could all be in there. Selling would be advertising costs to advertise the iPhone. They have a cool commercial now showing the new AirPods. That would definitely qualify. And then research and development. How are we making the iPhone better? How are we just pushing things along? A lot of tech companies will create a lot of bets, for lack of a better word, but different projects where they're trying to build a new product, the next best thing. And a lot of companies do this. And so that falls into research and development. It's a cost, but it's not necessarily dealt with their primary moneymaker at the time but they are still spending the money. So that's where it comes out. So you take the gross margin, you subtract these two operating expenses, you get to operating income. And operating income is really one of those. I probably should have said this at the beginning, but it's another focus for some of the more advanced people on Wall Street because it doesn't. it's a more pure profit number for the business itself. So you're not taking all the crap like taxes and interest and all this other boring stuff that it costs to run a big company. We're simply looking at the meat and potatoes of how Apple really makes its money. Mm -hmm. All the other stuff is kind of extra. It's important, but it's also kind of extra. So I like to look at operating income. I like to see how that's moving for a business and if it's getting better or worse. And so that's why it's important to calculate. Yep, I totally agree. Operating income for me is probably arguably the most important thing that I will look at on the income statement, because like Andrew said, it's the pure number of what it takes to operate the business. So you have 
the revenues it generates, it has the costs to generate those revenues, and then the cost to operate the business to generate those revenues. And everything else below that doesn't really it doesn't really impact the operations of the business or how the revenues are generated. It's, it's other items that are important to consider, but to me, the operating income is really the meat and potatoes of the business. And that's really what I spend a lot of time looking at. It also leads to more advanced ideas like free cash flow and also returns on equity, returns on invested capital, things of those nature that really has a bigger impact on how you measure how a, a business reinvests. So, Kind of moving past that, if you look at Starbucks operating income, so we mentioned in the gross part, they don't really break out the cost of revenues. Here, they kind of lump everything in together. And you see some different line items here that you would see in Apple or Netflix. For example, they break out depreciation and amortization expenses. And again, when you step back and you think about that for just a second, those terminologies really relate to an accounting term that businesses use to account for the money that they spend on items that they can pay off in theory over a longer period of time. And so, for example, when you think about a company like Starbucks, it's far more uh, capital intensive than something like Apple is in the respect that to sell their products, they have to have stores and they have to have some big expensive machines in the stores to sell them. So those machines that brew out all those delicious coffees that everybody loves, those are not cheap. And the stores to build those stores is not cheap. And so that's a very important expense for a company like Starbucks. It's less important for Apple and it's less important for Netflix, but it's very important for a company like Starbucks. And that's something you have to take into account when you're thinking about the operations of the business, because to open a new store, you got to spend money to upgrade your coffee machines or to build a coffee machine or to get a new one, repair it. All those things kind of lump in with all that. They still have the same general and administrative expenses that you would see with every other company. That's the support staff that really drive businesses. And so when you see a Starbucks operating income, it strips out all those costs from the revenues to arrive at that that number. So it's still kind of the same, even though they structure it differently and have some different terminology, it still operates the same as you would with Apple or with Netflix. It gives you the same kind of clean number that you're really looking for, what it takes to generate money from the copy they sell. Yeah, depreciation amortization, that sounds really intimidating, but you can think about like buying a home or buying a car and how how that kind of works when people think of their personal finances, right? Right. You depreciate a car. I think there's a similar mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good analogy. Okay. For Netflix, they actually put that amortization mm-hmm. in the cost of revenues just to make everything confusing in case you <laughs> didn't feel overwhelmed enough already. And that's because some of these shows again, can take a long time, can be very expensive to make. But they also expect a long-term benefit from these. You can look at the or some of the longer-lasting shows. Like I know Game of Thrones isn't a Netflix show, but right. that's driven revenues for HBO, HBO. for a long time. Yeah. So appreciation, amortization, marketing, selling, all of these things, they come out and you get the operating income. I think EBITDA is another metric that's mentioned and you know, the CFAs would yell at us if we don't throw that in there. But that's just taking um, operating income and adding depreciation and amortization. So that's something I I don't see it 
broken out a lot. So if you're trying to figure out what that is, I would not worry if you don't see it broken out on an income statement. It's something you kind of have to calculate on your own. Yeah. And for what it's worth off the top of my head, I don't know how many companies put depreciation in their costs of revenues like Netflix is. Mm -hmm. Just understand Netflix is a wild card. When we talk about the cash flow statement, you can really see it's it's one of those that's like breaking the barrier of what we're used to with businesses. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, I, I would try not to get too bogged down in that stuff. I would just try to think of, like you were saying, operating income is giving us the meat and potatoes of the business really in its pure form. How are they generating profit? And then everything else kind of gets bolted on after. Talk about the the bolt on for Starbucks. And I feel like it's it's gonna this last part is going to be pretty much the same as far as getting from operating income to that last net income. Yeah, it basically consists of three different items that you want to think about. One is going to be taxes. So just like us, every business has to pay taxes. And that's something that they will list as a separate line item and it's an expense. And that's something that you can calculate the tax rate and you can see all the nitty gritty. Again, looking at control F, if you really want to dive into income taxes, the company will list quite a bit of information regarding taxes and all that stuff. So if that's something that really turns your boat, <laughs> you can really dig into it. Otherwise, you can just take the interest expense as a face value of the line item and kind of move from there. The other two items are interest expense and interest income. And the easiest way to think of those is interest expense generally is the debt is the expense that they pay on debt that they owe. So when a company borrows money or when they lend out money in a bond form for investors to invest in the business in that form, they have to pay dividends to those bond investors and they have debt that they have to pay interest on as well. And that all gets lumped into interest expense. So that's money that they pay out depending on what their debt situation is. And it can be a very important item to consider when a company carries a lot of debt and something that you really want to focus on if the company carries a lot of debt and look at it in relation to their ability to pay that. And that's one item. And then the other item is the income expense. And so that's the money that they can make from investment, or I'm sorry, interest income. That's the money that they make from investments that they make. So a company, sometimes when they have a lot of cash, they may put it in short-term bonds or they may put it in equities, depending on the business. And the money that they make from those investments, the dividends that they make, that will get lumped into interest expense. And that's a line item that you'll see on there. Now, these can be very lumpy and they can be, depending on the stock market, depending on their debt load and everything, it can be kind of all over the board with those two line items. And so it's something that you have to take into account, but I I don't, depending on the business, I, I don't put a lot of effort into understanding those except for the interest expense, depending on the load. If you look at banks and if you look at financials, and that's another conversation for another day, that becomes a very important line item. But in a, for a company like Starbucks and Netflix and Apple, not as much. So it, it just kind of depends. So I guess what are your thoughts on those, on the messy middle, if you will? Yeah, I have nothing else to add. I mean, there's a few companies that kind of break the mold when it comes to this stuff. And it's not a lot. It's just really like financials like banks or insurance companies, real estate investment trusts, REITs, which buy a lot of real estate, 
everything else will fall under these buckets. And so by learning companies like this, you can really learn the vast majority of stocks. That's what I would say. It's a lot, it's definitely a lot to process. So if it was you kind of going through, maybe you've listened to this point, how would you apply this as a beginner? I think, I guess there's probably some different ways to to look at it. I guess the first thing I would want to look at is kind of going back to what you said at the beginning is looking at two of the more important parts to really understand. And that would be the revenues and the net income or the earnings per share and looking at those and looking at those over a longer period of time. And this is where the aggregators can really, really be beneficial because you can look at with Stratosphere Dial, for example, you can look at 20 to 30 years of those that information all in one place. So you can see how Apple has done over the last 30 years and see how they've grown revenues, for example. Or you can you can shorten and look at 10 years and that's that's plenty great too. And you can just look at that and look at the net income and see how those have grown over time and if they are growing and if, or if they're lumpy, you know, if they, if you see kind of the roller coaster thing uh, all over the place, you know, those are all things to consider when you're looking at that. And I guess the way that I would do it would be, I would look at apples and then I would look at some of their competitors and just see how they're doing versus are their competitors. And that's, I guess, how I would start. What about you? That's perfect. Okay. All right. Is there anything else that you would look at in regards to the income statement as far as like, maybe the structure of it or any any other little takeaways you might have. I look at it like those two are very important, like you said. And another easy way to remember is top line, bottom line. Everybody talks about what's the top line, what's the bottom line? That's the revenues, that's the net income. Those are what we refer to as jargon for the top line, bottom line. Outside of that, it does become a lot. And intuitively, some of these different segments might make more sense than others. They are important to eventually understand. I just don't know if there's a straight line to get from the two basic concepts to mastering everything we've talked about between gross margin, operating income, all of those things. So I would go back to what we say about eating the pizza. Look at a lot of companies, run through a lot of them, try to figure out how to calculate different parts of it. And the way my mind works is follow whatever is interesting and like to your point about operating income, maybe that's something I'm, I'm trying to understand for a business as I'm trying to build mastery of understanding these. Maybe it's having a, a real product focus where you're really just trying to focus on the, the gross margin. I would just try to take little bites at a time and understand the more you do it, the better you'll start to understand these things. But it might feel like a fire hose all at the beginning and you just got to... Do the best you can and understand you're going to get better and better over time. And that's how I would try to look at it. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation on the bird's eye view of the income statements of Apple, Netflix, and Starbucks. I think it was an interesting conversation and it helps kind of outline some of the differences, uh, unpack some of the jargon so it's not quite so confusing. And remember, Control F is your friend. That is a simple, easy way to search through any of these documents and it can make your life a, a heck of a lot easier. We are running a survey through our podcast platform, Airwave Media. This is to help us learn more about what you guys want, what people are looking for from our show, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, and how we can get better. 
And if you're interested in filling out the survey, there will be a link in the show notes. It takes about two or three minutes. It's super easy. And you get entered into a uh, a giveaway for a $500 Amazon gift card as well. So there is a little perk for you there in that respect. So please consider, uh, if you love the show, please consider filling that out for us. It gives us a better understanding of what's going on with the show and what our viewers want. So without any further ado, I will go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with the margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.